Thank you, Jesus. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Girded your waist with truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take helm, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that when I open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. There's never more of a time than we need to put the armour of God on. You know, and this is the last of the series of, of the belt of truth. And uh, the Lord really speaks to me <laughs> You know, in a language that maybe I can understand. But I suddenly, I just started giggling to myself. And I just came to the end of the, you know, preparation of the talk. And I just suddenly, you know, I'm, you know if I don't have my belt on, my trousers will fall, off, fall down. And then I'll be exposed. And that's what sent me on the sword. Well, what, what, what can we be exposed to? If we don't have this belt of truth around our waist, what are we going to be exposed to? Do you know what the word came up? Deception. Deception. So we're going to have a look at this belt of, of truth and what it actually means. And, and we, we know what the helmet of salvation is. We've, we've gone right the way through the whole armour of God. And I said to Hani, I said, you know, how did you think people have got it? Do you think people have grasped this whole talk, the whole messages that we brought? You know, are we seeing a difference? Is there a difference in you? Is there a difference in me? And I just feel, do you know what I really feel like? I feel like doing it all over again. And people are going, oh no. Oh no, I can't go through. I really do. I feel that we should go through it all over again until we grasp it. And not move on until we grasp it. There's no point moving on to something, something else, if we haven't grasped what God is trying to talk to us today. Because as Neville says, if we don't have this armor on, you know, it's. <laughs> In these days and what's going to come to us, we're going to be in trouble. We've got to have this armour on. We've got to have what, what, and understand what God is saying to us today. Because it says, the truth shall make you free. Jesus says, and Jesus said to those Jews who believed them, if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. What is the truth? What is the truth? That's one. Jesus is the truth. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we know now that truth is a person. It isn't a word, it's a person. If we come to the person, we have truth. And if we come to Jesus, we will give us truth. And nothing more can go, if we stray away one inch away from the person of Jesus, we'll go into deception. That's without a shadow of a doubt. And that's the problem with our church today. Look, I'm going I'm I'm to speak the truth. I'm not going to hide behind anything. If I get some flack, I get some flack. But there is so much deception going on in churches today. 
There is so much deception going on in ministries today because they've strayed away from the truth, which is Jesus, and they've done something else. They've gone their own way. And as we're going to have a look at, there are, there are three things that will put us into deception quicker than anything else. And this is what will alarm most people. I can, you know, can go through the Bible and go through it. Is God. God can cause you to be deceived. The devil can cause you to be deceived. And people can cause you to be deceived. You know, I have been through 20 years of church life. And I've heard so many people say, the Lord has told me this, the Lord has told me that. And you say, well, where? Where, where did you get that from? Oh, uh, uh, this prophet came to me and he told me this, he told me that. But can you remember in the Old Testament when a king was asking all of his prophets, can I go to battle? And all the prophets says, yes, you can do that, you can do that, and you, you'll be victorious, oh great king. And, and the king just thought, ooh, they're telling me this is what I want to hear. And what did he do to the prophet, the true prophet of God? The Lord sent a deceiving spirit to deceive the king. And he told the prophet to go and tell him what he wanted to hear. And the king said, you're not telling me the truth. You've, ne- you've always, always told me the opposite of what these guys have told me. What's the truth? And the Lord sent a deceiving spirit to that king. So we know that the Lord in certain situ- situations, when we're given over to something, can allow it to happen. Can totally allow it to happen. Now I hear so many people saying, this prophet came to me, or this prophetess, or whatever, and gave me a word. How do you know it's a word from God? How do you know it's a word from God? How do you know it's not a word from man? I know that I've given out prophetic words. Some have been bang on right. And sometimes a bit of flesh has gotten to it. I know, because, we're, listen, we're not perfect. But there are some times when I know that people have come to me and said, I've heard this from the Lord, and they tell me what they've heard from the Lord, and I know straight away that it isn't the Lord. I know without a shadow of a doubt it is not the Lord speaking. It's something that's already in there speaking to them that will deceive them. And they will hanker after that word, they'll go running after it, or they'll just sit there and wait for it all to happen. And then years later, they're still waiting for that word to come past because they haven't weighed it up. They haven't gone to the truth. They haven't gone to Jesus and said, Jesus, is this what you have called me to do? Is this the truth of what that prophet said? You know, is this what you've called me to do? I want to know the truth in this, Jesus. I do not want to be deceived. I don't want to go chasing after shadows. I want to go chasing after you. And there are too many people sat with bums in seats in churches waiting for prophetic words that were prophetic words not from God that have taken them off the course, taken them away from the truth, which is Jesus. And we need... We need to examine ourselves. We need to examine all the prophetic words that we've had uttered into our lives and examine them again. Bring them out, dust them off. Heidi and I have hardly had any prophetic words spoken over us. Hardly any. But the two that have been spoken over me haven't come to pass yet. But I know without a shadow of a doubt they were from God. I know with a shadow of doubt They've, they've been, and, and many people write to us or, or come to us and say, we've got a prophetic word and, and all the rest of it. And uh, you know, There was one about this building. And I'm not saying that it's wrong, but I ain't saying it's right either. 
But people that, that didn't know us were in, our, in the building that we were up before we moved here. And they said, uh, we've got to, you know, for the people, the pastors of this church, we've got a prophetic message. And it was all about the fire coming from this place that will touch houses and go into places where that they, don't, they don't even want the fire of going. Now, we can look at that and say that that is meaning this building, or we can look at it and say what we carry in this building, whether we take from this building to another one, is going to be fire being shot into other houses. Right? Now, if that word comes about, it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be great. But I need to know it's from the Lord. We need to know it's from the Lord. Because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody can come to the Father except through me. That's the truth. And the church is getting deceived because they're saying now that many ways can lead to one God. No, it isn't. There's only one. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. And there is a movement in the church, church today, saying that all faiths come to the same God. That ain't coming from this church. Lord, you're the only way to Jesus. Jesus, you're the only way to God. You're the only God, and I won't sway from that. There's only one way because Jesus said it. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody can come to me except, come to my Father except through me. But we're going to, if we're not careful, in this day and age, we're going to be deceived. We're really going to be deceived. Jesus spoke, I'm just... Just doing this talk, I just didn't realise how rich the Bible is in this whole word of deception. If you go slightly, you know, he said that's why he said it's a it's a narrow road because it's easy to get off. It's easy to get off, and if you're not on that road, asking Jesus, going to the truth, which is Him, it's a person, and asking for the truth of what He says, then we're we're going to get off that path. We're going to go on another path that might seem really good. My friend Kate and Greg, that were here, since they've been coming to this, this, when they came here last time, they've gone back with the fire of God in their belly. They are just digesting, eating, regurgitating everything that we've given to them. They love it. They are just, you know, they're just getting in. But you know what? They've probably gone through one of the toughest times of their lives. Their little daughter, just a, f- just a few days after coming here, horribly, in church, fell off a, a crate, no, no higher than that, and horribly smashed her el- elbow in, into pieces, literal pieces. So that poor girl's got pins in it. They've got the other daughter, Justice, who is, who's, who's been sick and hasn't been e- able to eat for days. Greg wrote to Heidi and I today, and he said, please pray for us. Please pray for us as a family because we're going through the most horrendous time. And I just said, Lord, you know, I want to know the truth in this. I want to know what's happening here. Do you know what the Lord said to me? I've lowered the fence because I've given them truth and I want them to stand on their own two feet to decide if this is truth or not. And I've lowered the fence because when God brings us into a place of truth, the battle rages. But God wants us to stand in the truth that he has for us. This is why it comes around the center part of you. It's the very core of you. It's the center part of your body, the belt of truth. If you haven't got your center balanced, then you're off balance. So if you haven't got the truth of Jesus, 
then you're going to be off balance. And I believe that, you know, we're going to pray for Katie and Greg. Please pray for them. As, as, I can't even tell you that what's happened to them. It's, it's been horrendous. Absolutely horrendous. Their family is under attack from Satan. Yes, it's, it's Satan, but it's also God. God's allowing this. But we've just got to, you know, hope that it's going to be quick because they're on, they're on a, a, a thing of acceleration. I had a prophetic word for, for Katie and Greg and I gave it to them before they left. And there is going to be battle over that prophetic word. And we'll, we'll see it. We'll see it come about. I just knew it was from the Lord. I just, there are some times where you just know, I know, I know. And we'll see what happens. But please, please, please pray for that family. They really need it. So the more that you know Jesus, the more you get alongside Jesus, the more truth you'll have in you. Because Jesus is truth. You know, God or gods must make themselves known. Right? You know that. They must, gods or goddesses or whatever, they've got to make themselves known. Otherwise, there's no point to it. You know, and, and how does our God make himself known? We're going to have a look at that. He makes himself known you know, through the word, through scripture. He makes himself known through creation. You know, we have the general revelation of God in nature because there must be a creator. So he makes himself known in his creation. Because it says in the word, it says in Psalm 19, verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. So the earth shows his handiwork. Of that. So we know in nature that there is a creator. Yet we've been deceived. I, I just get angry about it. We have been deceived through an education system that says, no, there is no creator. It was a big bang theory. What a load of codswallop. People try and telling me that, that I'm, I'm related to a, an ape. I might look like one. I might behave like one. That's what they do. But I'm joking. I'm <laughs> I wouldn't put it past me either. I've, I've probably been caught picking my nose once or twice. But no, but I'm not related to a pig. There's no ways. Because of what? Because he breathed into me. He breathed into me. That's the difference, is that the whole God breathed his spirit into me. He didn't breathe into any other part of creation. He breathed it into us. There's something different about us. Because he wants to display his glory in his people. We're going to see two sides coming to to complete and utter maturity all at the same time. I've got completely off my notes. From Matthew, uh, I think it's 13, about verse 24. talks about the tares and the wheat. These things are going to come up at the same time. You're going to see light and darkness in full maturity. And if you just get a glimpse of what that will look like, I'll give you an example. You're going to see the wickedness of men and women mature so quickly and so horrifically than ever before. They're going to be able to do evil things like you've never dreamed about. We've seen a little bit of it with Hitler. We've seen a little bit of Stalin. But it's going to mature. So what we saw with Hitler, I've often said what we've seen with Hitler, will make Hitler seem like a kindergarten bully to what's coming on this earth. But we're not to fear. Because God will make his wheat, us, the seed, 
the truth that's in us shall set us free. So we are going to come to an amazing maturity, bigger than Paul, the guy that wrote most of the Bible, bigger than that, bigger than William Branham, bigger, there is going to, we're going to come into full maturity. Doesn't that fill you with hope? Doesn't that fill you? Yes, Lord, I'm ready for this. Lord, bring it on. Let me, let me out of them, Lord. I'm like, I'm, like, I'm like a boxer waiting to come out of the corner, yeah, out of my corner, or, or a rugby game, you know, waiting for that whistle to go, bring it on. Bring on those giants. I'll show them. You know, because you know, he's prepared us for this battle. He has prepared us for this battle. But he wants us to bring a truth, which is him, into this world. I'm, I'm, you know, another, another way God, you know, uh, has known, has brought this truth into it, is through history. I, I'm a historian. You know, I, did, I studied PE, but I also studied history as my second. I love history. And you can look down, I only picked out four things that I could, just immediately came to mind. But there's hundreds of ways where God has intervened in history. God has intervened. He intervened in the history of Sodom and Gomorrah. He intervened there. That's one. He also intervened in, uh, in ways like uh, uh, the First World War. There's another one. God intervened on there. The Battle of Mons when the British and the French were turned around by the Germans and almost defeated, you saw the Angel of Mons appear to hundreds and thousands of soldiers. There were even reports, which I've read, real historical reports, written by German soldiers, said they came over the crest, about to defeat the British, about to drive them off the whole Belgium continent and drive them back into the sea, and they saw a host of cavalry, all dressed in white, charging at them, that put the fear of God in these German soldiers and made them turn around and flee. God intervened. That's just another example. Do you know another example, more recent? Second World War. Just read the book of, 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 of um, I always forget his name, Howe, Reese Howe. Just read, God using one man to turn the tide of the war. 1941 or 1940, this nation was on its knees. But it was on its knees in 1939. And what happened in 1939? The Battle of Dunkirk, where you had the armed forces, hundreds of thousands of, of British and French soldiers, literally holding onto a beachfront. And the Stukas and the bombers were coming in and just strafing them and bombing them, and, and it was going to be an absolute disaster. And the King of England... King of England stood up and he announced over the airways, pray to God, for we must have our troops delivered. And do you know what happens? The nation prayed. A whole nation prayed out to God in that day, that single day, and guess what happened? A fog came over the whole beaches of Dunkirk and that enabled the Navy, my father included, to lift Thousands upon thousands of men, because the aircraft they couldn't they couldn't see them. The, the aircraft that were bombing them, the Stukas and the Junkers, you know, all these uh, uh, German bombers were, were coming. They couldn't see them. They couldn't see the boats, and they had a miracle. They lifted off over a hundred thousand men in a very short space of time. And then our backs were to the wall, and and we had a group of men. My grand, my, my uh, stepmother was involved in it, in Bletchley, where they 
captured off a submarine that was sinking. They captured a German submarine and they, they, they had the enigma. Their, their whole, whole system of, of, of what, was, what the Germans were saying to the Germans and U-boats. And, you know, and they captured it and they deciphered it. And they could then, from, from that day, from 1940, they knew exactly where every U-boat was, what the Germans were doing. They knew where the Bismarck was. They, my, my, again, my, my stepmother and my father were involved in that. He was in the Royal Navy. My stepmother was in the Rens and the, the women's part of the Navy. And they knew exactly where the Bismarck was. Why? Because God allowed them to capture something of the Germans they needed. 1941, we see a turn, turnaround of the war. And it was just a matter of time that in 1941, God turned around this nation when this nation had its back to the war. I'm suggesting that we're in the same situation today. This nation has got its back to the war. And we need a God to intervene to this nation. I believe with all of my heart that this nation will be like it was in 1939, shut off from the world. Almost like, you know, we'll go against the tide. I'm praying for that. That we go against the tide of these nations and we stand with, with Israel. We've got to stand with Israel. They are going to be deceived. There is going to, the Antichrist is going to come out of the Middle East. I'm telling you, that's been set up now. The Antichrist is alive and kicking. And we've got to start getting used to that fact. Not in fear. Let him arise. We know the end. Let him arise. Come on, Lord, bring it on. Because as he arises, guess who else is going to arise in us? The truth. Jesus is going to arise in a body of people. There's only going to be one Antichrist. There's going to be hundreds of thousands of Jesuses. You are going to do exactly what I did, but even better. Doesn't Jesus say that? Come on, folks. Let's get excited. Let's get flipping on fire. Let's stop looking at all of our flipping problems. Heidi and I sat down at the beginning of the week and we just sat down for the whole day and we said, right, we're going to have to get our lives in order. We have a complete reevaluation of our own lives in the way that we're going to do things in bushfire, as well as personally. Yeah, we're having to do it. But there ain't one bit of fear in me because I've asked God to supernaturally download faith into me. We did it last week or the week before. God has supernaturally downloaded faith into me. That I'm not going to look at my checkbook or my bank balance. As long as I'm doing my bit, God can do his bit. I ain't going to worry about Joshua and, you know, because God's got it, got it in hand. I'm going to love him and care for him and I'll, you know, if he hurts, then I'll, I'll pick him up and kiss him and all the rest of it. But you know what I mean? We've got to have this supernatural faith into us that God's in control. He knows what he's doing. That he's, he is going to mobilize his people for an incredible time. We're in for an incredible time. We're on an incredible journey. I'm so excited. Why aren't you? Why aren't I'm so, Come on. Well, we've got to be excited. We've got to be excited. If you're not excited, well, get excited. I'll send Andrew to you. Do you know another way that God reveals himself? Is in our conscience. In our conscience. It says in John 1 verse 9, it says that that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into this world. God has given us a conscience. 
And when the Holy Spirit hits that conscience, guess what he does? He brings conviction. When a religious spirit hits that conscience, he brings condemning. Right? How, many, how many people here have felt condemned by church? I remember this woman coming to me in one of my churches and gave me such a hard time in the middle of summer wearing shorts and I was at the front. Get a life. <laughs> you know, I'm not being horrible, but get a life. Yes, I know you did. I knew you knew. I just see that. Uh, that I rebuke that there on the net. <laughs> but you know, do you know what I mean? They're gonna, you're going to have to get used to people coming in with covered in tattoos and even split, smoking a split outside. And they'll come through a threshold of that door and they'll be dunk, convicted. But they might get in the pulpit and they might let an expletive out because they get so excited and carried away. They bleep, bleep, bleep. Oh, sorry about that. You know, they're going to have to get used to that. This, you know, if we're not used to it now, get used to it. Maybe I'm your grace grower. <laughs> Maybe God has put me in front of you to be a grace grower. I love one, 2 Timothy 3.16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed or inspired of God. And it is profitable for doctrine. Reproof means correction and correction. And for instruction in righteousness. So scripture are all these things. But the problem is, in church, we've made our own doctrines. Oh, it sickens me. It makes me feel sick. How churches have made their own doctrines. Do you know what? It mentions in the Bible over 2,500 times, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith... I think the Lord was trying to get something across, that he speaks, and he speaks to his people. So when I hear anybody say, thus saith the Lord, it better happen. If you say, thus saith the Lord, it better happen. You must have heard from God. But we are too liberal. We're too liberal to, to get up and say in churches and say, Thus saith the Lord. You know, and they start coming out with incredible words. Be careful about the presentation. It might be glossy. It might have all the, the they might be so eloquent in their speech. Or it could be like me. You know, that just babbles on, but I'm enthusiastic. I'm like that. And I, you know, I may not have all the, 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 the right nice words to say. And uh, so, you know, we've got to be careful. Because I tell you what, this Antichrist that will rise up will deceive the church. The church will go into deception. Incredible deception. Because it will be so close to the truth, it's going to be frightening. What you see happening in some churches and ministries is so close to being of God, but it isn't. It isn't of God. It's of another source. Because they've been led over into deception. You see, if our approach is not right, then we're in trouble. Because if our motives are not in truth, in the person of Jesus we can easily go into deception so closely. It's, you know, if our motive, that's why God is not interested in what you do. He's interested in why you do it. Who are you doing it for? For him or for you? God, blimey, we're certainly not doing it. Heidi and I are not in this for ourselves. We burnt, I can't remember who I was telling, I think I was telling you, Rebecca, during the week, or was it Corin? I can't remember. But we, we were saying, we burnt every bridge. Well, it was Doug and Anita. I was talking to you. I was, 
we are saying to them this week, Heidi and I have burnt every bridge possible. There ain't no going back. We've crossed the Rubicon. You know, when Caesar crossed over the, Rub- the river Rubicon, there was no return. Heidi and I are the same. We've crossed our Rubicon. There ain't no return. I will never be able to get my job back. Never. I'll never be able to go up the ladder and get a fantastic pension. It's all gone. <laughs> I've got no pension. Heidi certainly hasn't got a pension. But you know, you know, but God's in control. He can take care of you. He can provide your very needs. God can provide above and beyond. And I'm a living testimony of that. I was the worst of the worst. I'm telling you, if I had a penny in my pocket, I spent it. I was dreadful. If I didn't have a penny in my pocket, I got a penny from some other source. (laughs) I was the worst of the worst. I was a real cad. That's a good old English word, isn't it? Cad. I was a real cad. But God has done something to me. He's, He's brought me into a place of discipline. You know, through all of this last, like, 18 years of discipline. You know, I've been, I've been in education coming on for 20 years, including my training. But God has been doing something to me. And one of the worst talks I ever had was with, with an ex-pastor who wasn't, bless him, I love him, <laughs> but I didn't like what he was saying to me. He said, Andy, you need to go and go to university. That was a big no-no for me. I don't want a university. You know, I was, I, I was enjoying my life. Why do I want to go and study some books? Yeah, and, and he said, go, go and get a, a professional job train and then if you want to go into full-time ministry because it was all about me going to full-time ministry 18 to over 20 24 years ago and I said I want to go into full-time ministry you know this is what God's called me this is what yeah but not now many of us have had to wait a long time and God has done an amazing work and this is why God has lowered the hedges in this place because he wants you to stand in the truth he wants to know which side you're on that's what it's about. Whose side are you on? Because this place is so much of God, I can't even begin to tell you. How many times Heidi and I have wanted to give up? But because we've crossed that Rubicon, <laughs> there ain't a plan B. We keep saying that. There ain't no plan B. There's only plan A. Lord, you've got to do it. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word that's been put into you, which is able to save your soul. And meekness means, you know what that word meekness means? I had a little study of this. It means to be free of self-sufficiency. If you're self-sufficient and you don't need anything, you're not in a good place. Because <laughs> then you don't need anything. What, what can God possibly do for you? But I just see a church that's in need. I see each and every one of us in need. There isn't a person in here that's not in need. I'm in need. I want more of him. I'm desperate for him. I'm more in need. I need him more every day. And God has really lowered the hedge on my house, (laughs) on me. He's really, I can't even begin to tell you. Things that have come up and cropped up. And and I said to Heidi, you know, I said to her yesterday, I said, Heidi, I, I don't know how much more I can go through what God is doing to me. Because I know it's him. I'm in such an uncomfortable place. Not in sin, don't worry about that. It's just, you know, I'm in such an uncomfortable place because I know this is God lowering his hedge on me to know how I'm going to stand. Have I put on the belt of truth? 
Have I got my feet shod in peace? That's probably one of the hardest things over this last six weeks I've had. So I've had very little peace. Why? Because there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on over your life. There's a battle going over my life. And God has lowered his hedge. So we've got to be free of self-sufficiency. Totally free. Because otherwise faith doesn't come into it. All scripture is God-breathed, written by God, through man, but by the Holy Spirit. Which surely means that we need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand scripture. I'm, you know, as I say, I, I struggle you know, sometimes when I read the Bible. Words just jumble up. Like there's, Does anyone else get that? Words just jumble up and I get confused and I'm having to read something 15 times before I, before I, I get it because of my dyslexia or whatever. It's not my dyslexia, it's the devil's. But, you know, the Lord is freeing me of that. I'm getting more fluent in, in being able to read the Bible more. You know, and, and getting, you know, that I can understand it. And I'm getting revelation because I've asked the Holy Spirit to come into the job. Because he inspired it through men. So he will help me get revelation on the scripture. We don't know everything. But you know what? The problem with, with, with churches, we've become too logical and too rational. If it can't be proved, then I don't want to know it. And it's especially true in our churches. You know, many churches deny the virgin birth. Do you know that? There are churches that deny the virgin birth. Incredible. There are churches that deny, deny the miracles of God. There are churches that don't even believe in angels, and yet the Bible is full of them. There are, there are some churches... Which, oh, Lord. There are some churches that don't believe in the crucifixion, that it wasn't Jesus they put on the cross. It's frightening what's out there. There are some churches that don't believe in the resurrection. That ain't right, is it? You got very quiet on me. But it ain't right. It ain't right because my God is supernatural. My Jesus is, is the one that heals all sicknesses, all diseases. And he just commanded us to do it. He didn't say, right, I'm going to finish with you disciples. This is where it all stops. That's what churches believe. Churches believe that it all stopped with the disciples in the early church. All the miracles of God. You know, I, I had a strange conversation with a vicar. Uh, I won't tell you where it is because <laughs> most of you will know him. No, but I had a strange conversation with a vicar that he was giving me, a real, me and Heidi a real hard time because we were laying hands on people. And uh, you know, they were getting bowled over in the Holy Spirit. I mean, it was more of a shock for me than it was for them. God was doing this, you know, through us. And uh, people were getting healed. And uh, I said to him, I said, do you believe in angels? And he said, no, never seen one. And anyway, the conversation went on, and then he, said, he basically turned around and he said, do you know what, you are an angel of light. You've been deceived by an angel of light. Hang on, I said, you don't believe in angels. <laughs> so how can I be deceived by an angel of light <laughs> if you don't believe in angels? They will use scripture to back up their arguments. And they'll take one bit of scripture and they'll twist it. I am, I am appalled, appalled by people that get on the internet and slate other ministries and slate people. I am appalled. And we had one. We had somebody write to Michelle about Sozo and slate Bethel. Slate what's going on. Completely slam it and damn it in Sheffield. The guy's in Sheffield. And if you're listening to it, God's coming after you. 
God's going to get you. But totally and utterly given over to a, a deceiving religious spirit. Do they feel that they're standing on truth? No, they're not. How can you slam somebody, you know, like uh, Bill Johnson? How can you? Okay, he gets things wrong. He's human. He heal. I mean, come on, get real. How can you slam it? And he believes that, you know, anybody going to Bethel is deceived. And, 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 and it's, it, it's, it's just mind-blowing. And he writes for a, a ministry that's based in Australia that has slammed Neville. Absolutely slammed Neville. And I'm thinking, you know, that's my friend you're talking about. You know, I get angry. I get, you know, the other part of me comes in. Come here, I want to have a chat with you. It won't be very short and sharp and it'll hurt you a lot more than it's going to hurt me. I can put my fist in a bit of ice. I'm, not, I'm joking. But it makes me feel like, it makes me so angry. You know, how can you say that to somebody, you know, that you don't even know? You've never met them. But they're going to say it about you and me. You know, we're a cult. That's what people are saying. Anybody in bushfires in a cult? You're deceived. Because we believe in the bride. <laughs> God says... The bride will make herself ready. The Bible is full of the bride. There's God's going to have his bride. So it's, you know, and we're, we, God has been thrown out of all sorts sort of society, every part of society God has been thrown out of. And, and we've been, as a nation, we've been led into deception. I was listening to something on Radio 4. I'm so away from my message. Please, Lord, forgive me. But you know, there, there are, Scattered around this country, and we're talking about it on Radio 4 this morning, um, there are, I can't remember what they call them, prayer rooms, uh, faith rooms. You go into an airport, there's a prayer or a faith room, you know, and uh, uh, you go into different parts of, of uh, petrol stations. There's, there's, there's thousands, apparently, all around the country. We've lost our Christian heritage, for crying out loud. I'm not being funny, but this is a Christian land. I don't want to go into a prayer room and see a couple of little prayer cloths, you know, thrown on the floor where they could. No, no. Listen, we're a Christian nation. Let's bring the, the the truth back into this nation that bore this nation. So many Christian people died for this nation, taking the gospel out to different nations. They and their blood was shed because we are a Christian nation. But there's going to be a movement of God that He's going to come back into the battle, and we've got to bring Him back into the battle. Let's bring him back into schools. God's big enough to take care of himself. Let's bring him back into the battle. Oh, am I? The Bible clearly, clearly says that we're not to be ignorant of the, the ways of the devil. We're not to be ignorant of it. There was a guy called Casey. He was a, uh, a psychic. He was a, you know, um, and he literally predicted all the dates of when the First World War and the Second World would start and would finish. His dates were absolutely accurate. Totally and utterly accurate. You can't dispute it. But where, where did that came, where did that come from? What source did Casey tap into? Because it wasn't Christian. It wasn't our Jesus. It wasn't our Holy Spirit because he was a psychic. He got it from another point, another place. That was completely and utterly right. His predictions were completely right. And we had another one, uh, um, a lady, uh, a girl, uh, oh, I think the, the woman called Jean Dixon. Anyone heard of her? In the 70s. Um, 
And she wrote a book all about the gift of prophecy. She was Roman Catholic. She was you know, a lovely, lovely lady. She was, she was loving. She was gentle. She wrote this book. And, and, and it was right. You know, this, this whole thing of prophecy was right. And it was so close to the truth. So, so close. It was frightening. She never, ever mentioned Jesus. Never. She mentioned God, but never Jesus. Never mentioned. And do you know how she said that she got her, where she got this, this whole thing from? She had an encounter. She had a real life encounter where a snake appeared to her in her bedroom, wrapped its whole body around her, and gave her this download. Gave her this download. And told her that um, one of the prophecies were that there will be a superman come out of the Middle East. The superhero will come out of the Middle East and bring peace into the Middle East. Yeah. And we know that's to be right because it says that in the Bible. The Bible says that. But she wrote a whole book on this. And so I believe that when we look at places like Acts 16, when Paul has this woman who is the, has a spirit of Python wrapped around her, and she's in divination, she's into this complete divination, and Paul cast off that spirit off her. I believe this woman had it, the snake wrapping itself. It was a, the snake of Python. It's the Leviathan spirit, the Python spirit, that wraps itself around and brings deception to the church. She was a devout Roman Catholic. She was a lovely, lovely lady, but completely deceived. Completely, demonically deceived. And you look at how, if you, if you look in this world, how we have got the Ouija board, we've got horoscopes, we've got tea leaves, we've got palm reading. We've, it's all divination. It's all this, this lying, deceiving spirit. I used to do it. I used to be able to read people's palms. I used to be able to, to look at people and just tell them things about themselves and, yeah, and just incredible stuff. I used to do it. And I, you know, it wasn't because of just lines. They give you a sort of like clue. But you know, just something just to focus on. Just focus on it and you, hit, you connect with something in that spirit realm. And this is why they do. They're not looking at a ball. They're just focusing on it. And it gets their focus. The breathing comes down. They're focusing on it and they connect with that spirit. And yet the church, I'm staggered by how many Christians read their horoscopes. Ah, it's not only a bit of fun. No. (laughs) There's a demonic spirit behind all of that. It ain't fun. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you have known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and you have seen him. Jesus is truth. And if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. All I want is Jesus. Truth is a person, so it's imperative that we know that person. Imperative that we know Jesus more than anything else. He's got to be the most important thing in your life. If he is not the most important thing in your life, you've got to do something about it. He's the most important thing in my life. (laughs) He's He's more important than Heidi. He's more important than my son. Because without him, I can't be a good husband. I certainly can't be a good father. I need him more than... And anything else, I need, I need Jesus more than anything in my life. I am so in love with Jesus, but I want to be in love with him more. I want to be so on fire for him. 
our moreover. Uh, I don't know if I can say this. <laughs> Do you know one of the biggest things that we have in church? I'm going to say it. Is the biggest part of deception is tradition. We have got the traditions of men in church more than we got what God has got for us. And traditions of, of church are just so completely and utterly wrong. There's a part of me, I had a chat with Billy and Steve about this. You know, this whole thing about Easter and Christmas and all that. You know, the feasts of, of, of the Jews, the Jewish nation, is, is not the feast of Jews, it's the feast of God. And what we should be and should have done more and more as through history is follow the feasts of God more than we follow the flip of East, the East uh, flipping traditions of a bunny rabbit and a flipping egg. You know, well, let's be real about it. Let's be real about it. But we live in a society where it's the tradition and most people have holiday around that time. But what I keep saying, I said to Billy and Steve, what we should be doing is celebrating. And that's what we do. We celebrate Jesus around that time because we're all together. You know, not everybody gets holiday. You know, we, we, we celebrate Christmas at that time when Jesus wasn't born in December. He was born in September. Very easy to find out when Jesus, the exact day Jesus was, was born on. You know, in history, you just have to look in Roman history. What was happening at the time in Roman history about the birth of Jesus? Where were people going back to? They were holding a censer. Everybody had to return back to their home, their, their, their place of uh, residence or where they were born. And the, the, the Romans were taking a censer. You can, you can trace that back in Roman history. It was around about, 20, about the 23rd of September, Jesus' birth, birthday was. But hang on a sec. Most of us, I'm back in school. <laughs> I don't get any holiday. All of us are at work. So... We, we have been forced into almost this point of tradition where we have to celebrate Christmas at these times because most of us will get holiday in that time. Do you follow me? It's, it's a real balance that you've got to get right. I'd rather celebrate, and we do, Passover. We celebrate Passover here. I think three years, four years running, we get Sarah, who's very knowledgeable, and then she comes and does the whole Passover, you know, remembrance of what, what was happening and the fulfilment of Passover yeah, and all of that. And, and we do that here. But, you know, why, why do we have such traditions? It's self-preservation. And all that happened in the old days, if you read it, you know, why we put Christmas and Easter and the dates that we did is because there were pagan festivals going on at the same time. And all the church did was, was put Christian festivals on to go against those pagan festivals. But hang on a sec, let's not, let's not you know, chuck the baby out of the bathwater. I want to celebrate Jesus. And if I'm given an opportunity to celebrate Jesus, I want to, make, I want to shout it out. You know, and until we get the, the complete freedom in this country or, or, or this world, when Jesus returns, we will celebrate those feasts once again. And they'll be written into our diaries. So we've got to be careful about this. We, you know, we can't get you know, one way or the other. But you know, I'm not going to flip and go running after a bunny rabbit. Yeah, and, and, and my friends and my colleagues at work think I'm the cruelest father in the world because I don't believe in Father Christmas. I don't tell Joshua about Father Christmas. Father Christmas is a demonic spirit. They take the mickey out of me because they brought in a woman that uh, did uh, yoga and I wanted nothing to do with it. I said, send me out to the furthest field. I don't want anything in the school to do with what, what you do. And they took the mickey out of me. They ripped me and they still laugh at it today. 
you know, you're a cruel father, you know, and I, I don't buy Joshua, you know, you know, bunny rabbits or f things like that. I give him a bit of chocolate because every other kid has got chocolate. Why can't he have a bit of chocolate? Yeah, but I'm not celebrating Easter. I'm celebrating the rise of Jesus being born. Yeah, Christmas and Easter and the death and the resurrection. That's what I'm celebrating. Yeah, and, and the problem is that we care more about what, what people think than what God thinks. I'm past that. I don't care what people think anymore, to a certain extent. I'm so past that I, I care what God thinks more than I care about what you think. I'm being really serious. I care more about God, what he thinks of me. Am I doing the right thing? Lord, am I saying the right thing? Yeah, and churches throw out so much. It's not what we do here. That's, what, that's a good saying. When I became a Christian, it's not what we do here. When I was trying to get some sort of thing about this whole thing of what the Holy Spirit was and, you know, and why do people have to raise their arms up? And, you know, it's not what we do here. That's tradition. You know, speaking in tongue was probably one of the most divisive things in the church. Half the church threw it out. Half the church embraced it. It's a partial truth. It's not the full truth. You know, and yet there is so much division about it. In Matthew 23... Jesus said to the people to be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. You know, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection. And they didn't believe in angels or in miracles or anything in the spirit world. They just didn't believe in it. You know, and do you know what? We have modern day Sadducees in church today. They don't believe in any of this. They're just modern day Sadducees. God's word is the same today, yesterday and forever. It's the same. So if they had them in those days, we're going to have them in our days. Let's be, let's be honest. Let's be absolutely honest here. Right? The Pharisees, they were very orthodox. They were incredibly full of uh, scripture and knowledge. They could recite the first five books of the Bible. They could recite them. That was one of the requirements of becoming a uh, Pharisee. Paul said, I'm the Pharisees among Pharisees. Paul knew the word inside out. He, he, could, he could recite it. Can you, you know, can, can you believe that? The first five Bibles, these guys could recite word for word. You know, and everything was so scriptural and it was based and it was taught purely on scripture. And Jesus said that they teach, but they don't do. He said, you, you, you brood of vipers, you're giving the people a, a millstone around, your, around their necks and they're never going to be able to get lift, lifted off. Because you, you speak scripture, but you're not doers of it. You're not doers. You're hearers of the word, but you're not doers. You've been deceived. And we see this in our church today. So many people, well, you know a religious spirit, you can smell it. My, my nose starts itching. And you know, when, I, when I find a religious spirit, my nose literally phys physically starts itching. That was one of the requirements, by the way, for a Pharisee. <laughs> Sorry, for a uh, per person serving in the Holy of Holies. They mustn't have a broken nose. Because it's a spiritual antenna. There's another part where my ear starts itching. Neville gets this. When, when somebody's saying something to me, my, my ear will start itching. What's that about? Have you ever wondered that? Itching ear? Deceived? Lies? My ear starts itching if I'm knowing somebody's lying. If a kid at school starts lying to me, sometimes my ear just itches and I know they're lying. It's really, it's weird. You, you, you're not telling the truth there, are you? you know, how do I know? Because my ear's itching. You know, I start doing that. Just, it's just really funny. But you know what? So many people now are just spouting out the word and they're putting, oh, you are blah, 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 blah. They just give you a load of scripture. 
That is the biggest thing, you know, over the head. Here, here's a, here's a sledgehammer of the word over your head just to make you feel worse and worse, condemned and all the rest of it. Instead of getting alongside people and just saying, look, you know, you're going through this problem. Let's work through it together. Let's see what scripture says, you know, how we can get you free of this. And yet the church is so good at whacking people over the head and making themselves feel dreadful. You know, I almost went back into the world. I got up and thought I did. I'll be honest. I went back to the world after 10 years of being a Christian. Do you know why? (laughs) There's no ways. Me is what I've been through in my life. There was no ways I could live a, a, a Christian life in the way that we were talking about. It was impossible. So I thought to myself, well, I'm, 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 I can't do it. So I might as well go back and have a bit of fun. <laughs> Instead of being miserable all the time. That's the way I viewed it, because it was just too, I couldn't bear it. I couldn't bear this thing, I had to behave this way, I had to do it this way, and if I did it that way, it would be wrong. And I just, I just felt condemned the whole time. And they were loving people. Don't get me wrong, they were lovely people, and I love them. But they gave me something, what Jesus was talking about, that was from the Pharisees. I couldn't bear it. I could not bear this burden anymore. So I thought, well, you know, I might as well just get out there. I'm doing it anyway. And I I went through a real dark time, a real dark time of my life as a Christian. And it it was almost like I could have stepped away like that, just like that. Yeah, and, but God kept me in. God, God kept me in. I didn't keep myself in. God kept me in for a reason, for this time, without a shadow of a doubt. So don't be condemned if you've had a, you know, some stuff hack, you know, coming around and hitting you around the head a couple of times. You know, just look at yourself in the mirror and see who God created you to be. You know, don't condemn yourself. Don't pull yourself down, you know. In the church, we, we can't do that anymore. We cannot do what the devil's really good at doing. It's pulling each other down. Support each other for crying out loud. doesn't mean that we tolerate sin. But, you know, let's get rid of the sin. I bet you, I bet you if you sat down with somebody in this church and was totally honest what was going through your mind, you, you wouldn't do it, would you? I don't think you'd do it. Would you sit there and tell everybody what's going through your mind, what you're struggling with, what your real struggles are? Wow. We'd be, we think, well, let's have a breakout deliverance. <laughs> you know, you need delivering in there. You know, this. But, you know, being honest. You can be honest to God. Just being honest to him. I'm struggling in this area, Lord. I'm really struggling in this area. I can't get rid of this. You know, I, you know Lord, send somebody that can, you know, help me with this. And, you know, we know Corin and... and uh, Michelle and Sozo and RTF, they're, they're part of it, so, you know, it's all part of it. But you know what the best part is? Having a good friend. Somebody you can go along to and just be honest with and not feel condemned. And not feel that, you know, you're a rotten scoundrel. That you're, you're dirty and, you know, and all the rest of it. And have a good friend that you can go along to and talk, to, talk with about everything. You see, we're in church, we're a lot of theory, but we're not practical. We base everything on theory and not on practice. Not every church, but the majority of churches. Yeah, and, and I, I listened to Neville. He said uh, that uh, he um, was give, gave an example of a guy, a theologian, a top theologian in this field of angels, coming along and giving all the Bible 
college students, you know, a whole theological theory on angels. And then one of the students started seeing the angels. They, they literally started seeing, well, not just one student, but a few students. As he was talking, something opened up in the heavens and he saw the angels. And the, the, you know, two or three saw angels coming in to the room. And they started screaming. And when, when the guy stopped and he said, what are you, what, what's happening? What's happening over there? He says, well, I'm, I'm seeing, as you're talking, I'm seeing angels. And do you know what he said? He said, no, that was, that was, that was the Old Testament. This is, you know, that wasn't, that's not for us. That was people, that was, angels came to people like Daniel. Angels came to people like Ezekiel. And, he, and he'd never seen an angel, yet he had read and he was teaching people all about angels and never seen one. Because he was all about theory and not about practice. How many people here have seen an angel? Or felt an angel? Wow, we, on, on Monday night, there was something happening here, wasn't there? The prayer evening. There was something happening here. A lot of us felt the same thing. A lot of us felt an angelic presence as we were praying. You know, and I felt, you know, like garments. I, I couldn't figure it out. On my legs, I stood here and I could feel something brushing my legs constantly. And I thought that something was, was going past me. And then I think it was that you turned around, it was about a garment being put on us. You had a picture of a garment being... And I was feeling like a, you know, a dress, wishing my legs as I was moving. A garment, had, you know. And then June gets up and brings a scripture to it, you know. And I'm thinking, wow, God, you're, you're, you're doing something here. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For they, you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those from entering into it. That's what church is really good at. Listen, I hope that we all enter into the Spirit. I hope that we can all do a high five in the Spirit as we're passing. You know, on our spiritual rollerblades. I, I, I don't know, you know. I, I, I've been there where I felt being taken out of my body on, on a few occasions. Literally, being taken out of my body and taken to places. And I could feel, as I was going through, literally feel when I had this angel holding my hand. And I could feel being taken through the clouds. I could literally feel the vapour and the cold on my head. And we were going super fast. I mean, so fast. I wasn't frightened. At that first point I was. I didn't know what was happening. But this angel took me somewhere and showed me some things. You know, and nobody can take that experience from me. It's as real as I'm sitting and talking to you now. It happened. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, as Paul says, I don't know. But I know an angel came in. I know an angel came in and stood at the end of my bed and literally, he's got a big gown on. He's a big angel. He's right up here. And he came in and he had a big gown on. He just went like this. And started putting envelopes on the bed. And I said, I didn't, I didn't talk to the angel. I could, it was almost like he could, I could talk to him through my mind. And I said, what are those? And he said, those are the answers to all of your prayers. I said, why are they sealed? Because they were all sealed envelopes. And he says, because if you knew what was written in them, you'd go into pride. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? And I, I want everybody to go into that sort of experience. I want, you know, because we're moving into a time when that's going to become the norm. Listen, we're going to have the prophets come. And teach us. Many churches, and we're having it now. Jesus has come and taught. You read some of the accounts. 
what's happening in the Middle East. Read some of the accounts of what's happening in the persecuted church in China, where Jesus is literally coming in and teaching the people in caves and, 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 and stuff like that. Jesus is coming in and teaching these people. We know that Jesus has entered into a, a, um, the room of an, a top imam and uh, appeared to him and taught him. And then he's appeared in the middle of the mosque. And all those people are converted. <laughs> it's happening. It's starting to happen. But we, we, I don't want to be left behind. I, want, I don't want to be left behind. You know, and what we've got to stop doing is hitting people over the head with the letter of the law and release them in the spirit of the law. Let, you know, do you know what? There are people, I just know there are hundreds of thousands of people sitting in churches today that are crying out for the truth and the revelation of who Jesus is. They're crying out for it. They're crying out, you know, thinking, I cannot sit through another service, three hymns and a three-point sermon. I can't do that. You know, most of you have, 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 thank God, you know, have broken out of that. See, it says in Job 32, it says, but there is a spirit in man, and the breath of the Almighty gives him understanding. God has put some, something in us that we're crying out for more of, more of him, more understanding, and we're asking God to bring more revelation. And who is revelation? The spirit of prophecy is Jesus. It's revelation it's of Jesus. It's the unveiling of Jesus, the full character. And do you know what man has done? Is we've, got, we've got stuck into traditions, and we've got this word knowledge. And there's, there's two Greek words for knowledge. It's gnosis, which is the knowledge given by men, and then we've got the epinosis, which means the knowledge given by the spirit. The spirit. I want the epinosis. I'm tired of knowledge of men, from men. I want to live the truth. I want to live what Jesus has for me. I want to experience everything that Jesus has for me. But I want to have his epinosis knowledge, knowledge that I gain from the spirit. When you read the word, you're feeding your spirit. When you read the word, you're feeding your spirit. Your spirit doesn't know the word. So every time you're, you're not reading it for yourself... Yes, you are. You're feeding your Holy Spirit, like the, the spirit man in you, spirit, the spirit that's in there. You're feeding it every time you read the Word. And you're making it stronger. And it's getting bigger. It's like a baby. You feed a baby, it will grow. Every time you feed your spirit, it will grow. It will grow and it will get bigger and bigger and bigger. But when you have the breath of the Holy Spirit on that, oh, wow, watch what happens. Watch what happens. I love it. It says, if you have the Word only, you dry up. If you have the spirit only, you blow up. But if you have the word and the spirit together, you grow up. Isn't that incredible? I love that. It's getting the balance right. It's a balance of truth. Have, you cannot have one without the other. You've got to have the Holy Spirit on the word, and you've got to have the word with the Holy Spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians, this is Paul, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. it says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. So Paul was having a complete history and teaching from, the, from Jesus himself. He received it from Jesus and he was giving it. That's what Neville does. Neville receives things from the Lord and he brings a whole lot of teaching on it. And all of his resources are literally from his encounters with the Lord. So if those encounters are from the Lord, the epinosis spirit, the knowledge of the spirit, we should be absolutely eating them up, digesting them. I can't get past... I think talk four on the sent ones when Neville came. I've listened, I'm still listening to it. I'm still just, just going back on stuff. It is full, full of stuff. 
I'm thinking, oh Lord, you know, help me. Walter Buter, I'm still reading his book, The Manifest Presence. I want that. I want it more than anything. I want the person. I need that personal revelation of Jesus. Yeah, and that's what's going to make the difference. See, we have to go to the author of truth. We have to go to Jesus, the author of our truth and the author of our faith. Otherwise, we'll, we, 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 we will be deceived. <laughs> we will get led into deception. See, uh, 2 Timothy 3 says, we know all about, you know, the, this is the end times, right? But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving. He's talking about Christians. This is talking about flipping Christians. It's not talking about the world because of what he says. Unforgiving, slander, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power. From such people, Jesus says, turn away. And if you're stuck in a church, I keep saying it, if you're stuck in churches like that, get out of it. That's what Jesus has told us to do. That's me not with a condemning spirit. That's me saying, Jesus, you're answering it. I used to be one of those people. I used to be a lover of myself in church. I used to be a boaster. I used to do things behind, you know, on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I used to come in all holy on a Sunday. I know what it's like. I never want to go back to that. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power that's in Jesus, the truth that's in Jesus. I cannot go back to that. Folks, you can't go back to it. And many have. I'm telling you, people have left this church and they're in a wilderness. I'm not being condemning. And I believe they've been in, they're, in, they're in deception, some of them. I'm calling a spade a spade. I don't want to lose any of you. Not one of you. All right, if we're going to do this, we've got to do it together. We've got to do it together. We've got to move in this. I suggest that you go back and you get hold of the tapes, get hold of the talks. I'm going to have to do one again. Heidi's going to put me in front of a, a camera. I'm going to do a recording um, uh, of one of the talks because we, halfway through it, it just stopped recording for whatever reason. You know, oh, do you know what? This was me. <laughs> Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. I was really in the word. I love the word. I thank God for the word that was put into me in the early days. But my God, was I like this. For you are like a whitewashed tomb, which indeed appears beautiful outwardly, but inside it's full of dead man bones and all uncleanliness. I've repented of that. I'm rid of that. Yeah, I'm still God's mess. You know, he'll put me back to pieces. You know, he'll make a, I keep saying a mosaic out of the shattered pieces of my life, but he'll make it beautiful. It'll be better than what it was. But we cannot be like this. We need to go to the author of truth and get his truth. And the truth shall set us free. The truth will set us free. It's conditional. It says, then Jesus said to those who believe them, if you, if you, it's conditional. If you abide in my word, 
If you are my disciples, then you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If you. This isn't a guarantee, this is conditional. If you. To Peter, this is Peter speaking about his death. Incredible scripture. This is Peter's approaching death that he knew that he was going to be hung on a cross and he was going to go upside down on that cross because he didn't feel worthy enough to die in the same way that Jesus did. So he said, don't do it like that. Hang, hang me upside down. And this is what Peter writes. Do you know they almost didn't include Peter's book in the, in the Bible because it was so badly written. You know, this guy, he was a fisherman. He could hardly speak, you know, properly. He would have probably a, I don't know, an accent of some sort real deep, rich accents of, of, you know, I don't know. I, I won't say it because in case I offend anybody. But, you know, I'm thinking of some accents. I'm thinking, no, I can't go down that road. But he, you know, he, he was just such a, a basic man that they almost didn't include the, his, his, his letter. For this reason, I will not be diligent to remind you always of these things, that though you know and are established in the present truth, the present truth. And there are always present truths. You can go down history. There are present truths running down through history. Martin Luther, justified by faith. We have the Baptists, you know, that have this revelation and truth that you've got to have full immersion of water baptism. You have the Holy, holy, uh, the holy Movement in the 19, in, in 1880s that this whole started on this thing that if you are holy, then you can be free of sickness. Then you see the Pentecostal movement of all the gifts and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were all truths, but they weren't the full truth. They weren't the full truth. But then what happens is that, that, that what we've got to say is that we've got to be established in the present truth. We've got to know what is God saying to us today. What is the present truth that God is bringing us in today? What is his truths? That we must be committed to that truth that he is saying to us today. What is this truth that he's saying to us today, do you think? Have you got any idea? But I'll tell you one thing, it's going to cost you. Every time that God releases a truth, it's going to cost us. It will cost us everything. Martin Luther, when he nailed that, that uh, thesis onto the doors and that German uh, church, he put the, the 91 feast, you know, that the whole thing that he'd written about, why we have to be justified by faith. He knew that he would probably lose his life. They were killing thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. The Anabaptists were being massacred. The Huguenots were being massacred in numbers undescribable. This was the Dark Ages. And he knew that he would probably be, you know, tortured and then burnt. But he had had a truth. This is what it says in Jesus when you look in, in Matthew, that a man, a man found a pearl in a field, went away and sold everything that he had to buy that field. It's talking about Martin Luther. Did you know that? It's talking about the very man of Martin Luther. Those, those seven examples in that parable is talking about the seven ages of the church. He went away and he sold everything to possess the pearl. What was the pearl? It was the word of God the word of God and that we have to be just we're justified by faith and not by works that's the revelation that, that, that uh, he had but you have a look at all these people have had these massive revelations on a truth they've almost died they've come under so much persecution 
You know, and we've got to embrace the truth that's going to the church today. We've got to embrace it. I've got an idea what it is. I've got an idea what it is. But we've got to embrace it. But you know what? Too many Christians have chucked out the baby with the bathwater. Too many Christians have chucked it out and said, I don't want anything to do with that. Look, I mean, I was around when uh, it broke out at um, Toronto. I was around. I was a brand new Christian. And I can remember people coming back, being blasted in the Holy Spirit, where they were roaring with laughter. And I thought, these guys are completely off their rockers. And my church stood up and said, have nothing to do with it. These truths will divide churches. Listen, if you think, you know, we're really good at, you know, ripping apart the Roman Catholics, but the, the Church of England is as, as, as unreformed as the Roman Catholic churches. You know, where they say that, you know, you, you don't need to be baptised because you've been baptised as a baby. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what a load of gunk that is. Of course you have to be baptised, fully immersed baptised, saying, you know, as an adult, I'm going to follow Jesus all my life. And this is, I'm dying to self and I'm coming up as a new person. Of course you've got to do that. Having a, a vicar come on and put a cross on your neck or your, your, your head or whatever, or, you know, as, as a baby, isn't going to get you to heaven. But you know why they did that? Because it was a tradition. They did it because most infants didn't survive into infancy. That's why they did it. Because most of those infants would die before they reached their, their adolescence. That's why they did it. But we've carried on that tradition into church today. It isn't God. See, they're set. And with what we can't be set in our own ways. We can't have our own thoughts and make them into doctrines. That's what's happened in churches. And they have the, we have the, our own belief systems. You know, I think churches, you know, if you don't believe in this, then you can't be part of us. If you don't believe in that, you can't be part of us. You can't do this. You know, I know Pensacola was meant to be more, more than what it was. And I, again, I was around when Pensacola broke out. I wanted to go to Pensacola, but I didn't have a bean in my pocket. Couldn't afford it. I wanted to go to Pensacola and to Brownsville, where two and a half million people were incredibly infected, affected, you know, spiritually and physically by what was happening in Brownsville. You know, conviction, that, that spirit of, of fear of the Lord was there. You know, I wanted to get out there, but it should have been so much more. And I've always, always wondered why. You know, and I was an early Christian. Why wasn't it more, Lord? Do you know why? Do you know why Brownsville, after, you know, a length of time, just packed up and just disappeared? This is truth. Because the, the Assemblies of God moved, didn't want to take it over. The Assemblies of God moved in as a church, as an organisation, and wanted to take over the whole thing of John Kilpatrick, because you know, he's an Assemblies of God minister. And I heard, when I, had, when I had this sort of like revelation, I heard John Kilpatrick being interviewed by Paul Keith. And Paul Keith tells the story of when he sat around the table, so it's out there, it's public. And he said to, to John Kilpatrick, you know, should it have been more? And he said, absolutely. Absolutely should have been more. And do you know what was going to be the next stage? Healing. In an unprecedented way, healing was going to hit the church. But God closed it down because it, the, an organization wanted to take it over. Boom. Listen, 
Leyland. Right? No matter what happened, God was in it. God was in Leyland. Right? There was a bit of leaven in it as well. But predominantly what God was doing was wanting a healing revival to hit America. But then because of leaven getting into it, boom, it shut down. This is about to come on the church. The truth of Jesus. That he is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the all provider. He is. There are truths going to hit the church. And most of the church, I'll tell you, are going to go off and say this isn't God. I bet you if you went into a lot of the churches in this city and you started saying about some of the things you're hearing, they would say you're off your rocker. You're completely wrong. You're, you're completely nutly off your, you're off your trolley. William Branham, they refused to understand. William Branham, most churches stood against William Branham in the 60s. Most of them. Cuba. You know, Osborne um, was, was out in Cuba and the biggest revival was hitting Cuba. And then the churches, the established churches got together, wrote a letter and started putting it around saying this isn't of God. And, and uh, Osborne said, okay then, I'm off. And guess what happened the next week? Within, within two months that place was given over to communism. The whole island was given over to communism. Because if you chuck out the truth, who's going to occupy it? Who's going to come in? The devil is. And then he'll lead you into deception. So you've got one of two things to do. You can either embrace it or reject truth. That's what's going to happen. I came across this just as I was sitting down. In fact, sitting down there and just the Lord just, just reminded me of this. So I just looked for it. Matthew 10. I was sitting in the camper van with Joshua showing all his friends. And this verse came. I just thought, where is it? Jesus brings division. Jesus brings division into every area of our lives. Because Jesus said it. Do not think, Matthew 10, verse 34, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set, for I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, a daughter-in-law against the mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up the cross and follow me and after me is not worthy of me. But he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's Jesus saying that. So if you're a Christian and your household is divided, that's what's going to happen. When we bring truth, it will divide. And there will be battle and there will be division in your family. Thank God my family, they looked at me when I became a, this raving, you know, Christian, <laughs> Jesus freak. You know, I was just so sold out for Jesus. And my family just, just couldn't, couldn't get hold of it. Couldn't get hold of it. Thought I would gone loopy-loo. Thought I should be in a mental institution. And every time, you know, I was going through, again, <laughs> my life has been some battles. <laughs> but I was going through a hard time and I had to go back to my sister and ask her, asking for some help and, and lots of conditions to, to, to do. And, and, and she saw me when I was a brand new born-again Christian, brand spanking new. And she saw that, you know, I was trying to get some of the crap off me. 
And every time I'd say I'm going to church or going to do each other, she used to go, come by, yeah, my Lord, you know, raise your guitar and start taking the mickey out of me. My family took the mickey out of me and, you know, and all the rest. But you know, as they saw me change, they started believing. And that my sister now believes in Jesus and follows him. My mother, who I couldn't even be, couldn't stand to be in the same room with, you know, saw the change in her son. I was like the prodigal. Saw a change in me that I had love for my mother, supernatural love for her, that Jesus gave me. To love my mother, to honor her, to love her. She became a Christian. It's incredible. You are a book <laughs> to a world of Jesus. Do you know, and we need now, more than any time in any, any, any time in the whole of the history, we need Jesus. We need Jesus. <sighs> let no one deceive himself. For any among you who seems to be wise in this age, let him be a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. Do you know, in the Old Testament, I'm going to finish soon, and I'm going to pray for something to happen. Don't know what yet, but uh, there's a mist coming in the room. I'm thinking, flipping out, it's just a mist just coming into the room. I'm seeing it like a sea mist. Just I'm checking my eyes. <laughs> just a mist has just rolled in. But in the, old, in the Old Testament, if a prophet came to you, this prophet of God came to you and gave you a prophetic word, and he said, blah, 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 and you rejected it, and then if this prophet was proved to be right and you're wrong, do you know what they did to you? plucked out your eyes. They blinded you. Because you're blind to the truth. And this is what happens. This is what's happening now in a lot of churches. Is The fact is that we're blind. We've been blinded spiritually to the truth because we've rejected Jesus, who is the truth. So if we don't embrace truth, then we will become spiritually blind. And that ramification will have a physical effect on us if we reject the truth. You know, 2 Corinthians 13 says, this, is the, this will be a third time I'm coming to you. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be established. If you're looking for your prophetic words to come right, they better be established by two or three people, not just one. You know, one person should come to you and there should be a seed already there and they'll just, just say out what's already there. But don't pull on it. Don't pull on that spirit. Because all that will happen is a prophetic person will come along, be pulled in that direction that you want to hear this word, and they'll give it to you. And you, you know, you've got to weigh it up. You've got to incredibly weigh. You've got to... Oh. God will allow people to make up their own minds and whether you want to accept this truth or not. This is why he says, put on that belt of truth. You've got to have that belt of truth around your waist. You know, and... And usually when truth comes, there's going to bring division. Self-preservation. Fear will come in, you know, into a lot of it. Or from our reactions from the past. You know, that, that when truth comes into the church, we, we've got to embrace it. I love, I love what Neville says. When he saw a uh, pastor, you know, going around in, in a meeting and absolutely baying like a dog. This, this, this pastor was howling like a dog. And Neville was about to go up to the man and, and tell him to be quiet. And the Lord stopped him. He said, no, that's of me. And uh, 
Neville's, if you, is that the first time you've heard it? It's on the tape. <laughs> it's on the sent ones. That this guy was, was howling and then the Lord gave him a scripture for it. Because this guy had rejected a lot of the things that were happening in truth, you know, the, what was happening in the church. And God was making him pay for it by making him, you know, be foolish in front of so many. And he, and he couldn't, he had no control over it. It was God. So now Neville says, you know, he won't stop anything unless, you know, God tells him to. You know, I, I remember people coming back from um, Toronto thinking, what's happening? What on earth is happening? I'm going up to John Wimber. I didn't know he was dying of cancer. I didn't know he was this big man, John Wimber. I didn't know him. He was just preaching about healing. And my church said it was all wrong. So I go up to John Wimber with such a boldness and courageous thinking, I'm God's policeman here. I'm going to go up to him and I'm going to bring to you. Know, and I started giving John Wimber a hard time. And he had such grace. And he was dying. And he, I remember him. He went like this. He just literally stepped off the stage and he went... He didn't even look at me. He said, son, go and read the word. Go and read the word as he did all that. And a few months later, you know, he died. But I just thank God that God put something around me for me to embrace the very thing that I didn't believe in. You know, of miracles, of signs and wonders, of angels, of, of that we can have a face-to-face -face encounter with the Lord and, and get amazing truths of him. You know, amazing stuff off Jesus. I remember the first time, you know, I met Jesus face to face. Face to face. I know the love of God. I've had two experiences. All in that same experience with Jesus. The love of God and the fear of God. All in the same time. How big he is. Oh my word. When it says that he can hold the world in the palm of his hands, I now know what that means. But what that scripture means. He is huge. There is nothing that he can't do. Nothing. Then the next part of the thing was when he looked into me and he had the most beautiful blue eyes. Beautiful blue eyes. And he looked straight into me. And this is when I felt the fear. And I suddenly realized that he's all-knowing. He's, he's omnipresent. He's, he just knows everything, every little detail about your life. I'm thinking, I'm going to die. Such fear. But I'm standing there before him. I thought, I remember thinking, I can't blink. I'm, I'm looking in his eyes. He must think I'm being really strange, but I couldn't blink. You know, like that real, and then suddenly, he just wraps me up. And it was like this bubble of love of just how much he loves me. Nobody can tell me how. I know that through all of my rubbish, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And if he loves me, how much is he going to love you? He just loves us. Unbelievably loves us. And that experience has never, ever, ever left me. But I know also the fear of the Lord. And what that spirit is. And the most beautiful thing is he gave me a piece of fruit to eat. Here, Andy, take this. And he cut it off. He cut it. See, I just saw him. It was, it, it was like a peach, but it wasn't a peach. You know, and I'm, I'm in the most beautiful place. That's the other thing. I was in just taste of heaven. It was incredible. You cannot describe it. You cannot describe the color, what it feels like, you know, what this. But it's just this incredible bubble of love. Where everything, everything, it's just love. You know, everything. I can't, the grass is love, the flowers are love, the, the, the trees are love, everything is love. 
the whole thing is just permeated with the love, the perfume of God. Everything is. And he gives me this fruit, and he gives me half of it. And he says, eat it. And I just ate it. It's great. Thank you, Lord. And for years, I struggled. You know, I thought, Lord, what, what was that? What was that? And do you know what it was? He was giving me a bit of himself. Because he is the tree of life. He was giving me a little bit of himself to put into me. But there's another half of him <laughs> that he's got there for me. I know there's another half of that fruit. I've got to go back and get it. I know that there is. But do you know, folks, we, we've got to do this together. We've got to put on the, the armor of God. We've got to support one another. <sighs> Should we make that commitment today for truth? Should we make that commitment together with truth? That we're going to stand up for truth in this day and age. Where the truth, when the people are going to, you're going to be persecuted for this. You are going to be persecuted. I don't want you to be in fear. Listen, <laughs> I'll stand up on a chair. I'm, going to, I'm doing it. I'm doing this. I'm doing this in the spirit. I'm going to do this in the presence of God. He is here. His mist has come in. His presence is here. Because he wants to bring truth to us as a church. He wants to bring his truth so that we will not be rocked when things start breaking out. And we are the ones that will go out and bring his truth to a nation that doesn't know truth, which is him. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to my Father except through me. That's the truth that he wants to impart onto a whole generation. And he's going to use you and me but if we don't embrace truth, we will go into deception and be deceived. I don't want that. Because it says in the word that even the very elect will be deceived. When this thing comes onto this earth saying, peace, 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 we're going to be, we're not living in truth. And I'll tell you what, we're going to be very unpopular with this. Because the traditional church will join this. And we will see a one-world religion. That's going to come on this land. But it might not come on this land. If we get so established in the truth, I reckon this land is going to be completely of God, set aside for his purposes. Nations are set aside for his purpose. Look at the Middle East. It's set up perfectly for the Antichrist to come on the scene. Perfect. Sunni are fighting against Shiite. <laughs> I'm glad I said it that way. I just, you know, but, but there is such a division amongst the Muslim, the Muslim nation. There's such division in there. It's like two devils fighting against each other. But there's going to be a peacemaker. Sort that out, lads. Let's go to Israel. Israel's going to be divided. Uh, Jerusalem will be divided. They'll be made to divide Jerusalem. That's in the Bible. Half of it's still God's, though. It's all God's. But half of it will still be where the two prophets will come. Uh, Sadow. I'm going to meet him soon. Yes. <laughs> yes. Looking forward to it. But folks, we want truth here. We want truth in ourselves. We want truth, you know, in this place. So let's make a commitment. You know, we're going to make a commitment to the Lord that we're going to be established in truth and his present truth. And I believe that many of you will have a download of what his present truth is. Some of you have got an idea. I think I've got an idea. But I want, I want it 
you know, us to be moving that. So let's stand up. What we're going to do is we're going to make an, an, an altar to the Lord now in our hearts. We're going to come before the Lord and make an altar. An altar of just an altar of truth. Lord, we want your truth. Just put your hands out. We're going to ask the Lord. We're going to make a commitment to you today, Lord, for truth. Because we're making a commitment to you because you are truth. Jesus, you are truth. And I want to, and we want to in this place, embrace you now, Jesus. And I want to embrace your truths. We want to embrace your truth today. And we want to embrace you, Jesus, because you are truth. And Father, let us not have our eyes on the cost of this. It's not, it's not, Lord, it's not a cost that we can pay. But we want to embrace your truth no matter what the cost is. And Father, we want to embrace you now today in truth, regardless of what people think or what people say about us. Lord, we just choose to choose you and put on that belt of truth around our waist. We want to be established in your ways and in your ways only, Father. So, Father, I'm not interested about what people think of us, think of me. I'm only interested in what you think today. And, Lord, we come to you with a broken and contrite heart. We humble ourselves now in your presence. And Father, no matter what division this brings into our lives, we're going to embrace you today, the giver of all truth. And regardless of what, how popular or unpopular it will make us, Lord, we embrace you today. Lord, some of us are bound in tradition. Will you break it off us? Break off today the traditions of men and of women. To break it off us, we ask you now to break off tradition off us today. Lord, we ask you now to break off hurts from the past that have stopped us from embracing your truth. Lord, and we're sorry that we think that we don't need you for self-preservation. Break it off us. Put a hunger in us that we need you more than anything else that you are the very thing that keeps us breathing. Lord, we ask you to break off. I'm going to break this off now in the name of Jesus. Fear off your people. Fear of what's going to be happening. We break it off now, Jesus. And Lord, I break off us now the fear to embrace truth. Many of us know what the truth is, but we have a fear to embrace it. But we ask you now, Jesus, impart into us your very presence and truth. Holy Spirit, we want to be free today. We want to be free of everything that is not allowing us to embrace your truths. Break it off us and help us to do this to this day. It might be now that the Holy Spirit might be pointing something out to you. That's just reminding you about something. Just, just, just confess it, get rid of it, and ask the Holy Spirit to put his truth into you. Whatever it is, family situation, whatever, ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him to reveal it right now. Holy Spirit, we ask you to expose whatever is on us and in us that is stopping us embracing truth. 
Break down these walls. Break down these barriers and help us to get rid of it. I just want you to say in your hearts, or you can say it out aloud, just say these words, I choose to embrace truth today. Because you are truth. And Jesus, I want to embrace you today. So I want you now to literally, spiritually enact putting a belt on. So Lord, we put on the belt of truth. Because then my trousers or my skirt won't fall down and expose me. But we choose to put on that belt of truth today. And Jesus, when we have you, we are set free. And Father, I pronounce in this place freedom. Freedom from tradition. Freedom from fear. Freedom of what men think or what women think. Freedom of hurt words that have been spoken. Freedom in every situation, family situations, we pronounce freedom in this place. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Go back on it. Get on those sandals of peace. We're going to go and redo a recap on all of this. But embrace it, embrace it, embrace it. Today is, tomorrow's a new day, the 1st of July. Uh, so it's, it, this is going to move incredibly quickly. You know, we're going to be moving incredibly quickly. You know, so let's embrace it. Let's get into our prayer closet. Let's close all the doors. Let's get into the word. Let's get into prayer. Let's get into the presence. Let's, get, let's walk in peace. Let's walk with the shield of faith. Let's start asking Holy Spirit, put faith into us. Start asking God to start doing it. You know, when we go on the streets, we're going to see an explosion of Jesus and we're going to carry his truth onto it. Don't judge by your eyes, judge by the Spirit. Yeah, so God bless you. Thank you. I know I went on a bit, uh, but thank you for bearing with me. But let's embrace it. Let's embrace it together. Let's go for it together. Let's fight the fight together. Ding, ding. Round one. God bless.